you're only ready for what you're ready. And maybe, yes, in order for you to realize your highest potential, whether personally or professionally, you need to make some decisions and changes, but only you know when is the right time. And I think that's very important. So for him, it took him that many years to get there. And I learned that, of course, even though I might see what people can do, but it's up to them to decide when is the right time for them to act on it. Hi, I'm Jana Frey. I'm a life coach and spiritual entrepreneur, and you're listening to God Talks, double G, U, double T. Hi, everyone. Maria here, and welcome to season two of God Talks, double G, U, double T, a podcast focusing on business and tech for good, experience design, and gut feelings. I'm Maria designer, strategist, and venture builder running GUT, WGUWT, a design and innovation hub. I decided to launch GUT Talks as the pandemic hit with an ambition to educate, put some karma on the board, and feature entrepreneurs, industry leaders, and investors who deserve recognition and have inspiring stories to tell. Feel free to email me if you need me. Maria at God.com, W-G-U-W-T, or check the links in the show notes. If you haven't noticed, there are no sponsors for the show, but you can still support God Talks, and it's super easy. Just leave a five-star review and a comment, and follow our social media channels on LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, and the Telegram channel. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get started. Our guest today is Jana Fry. She has over 30 years of experience in wellness as a retreat facilitator, mindfulness coach, speaker, and she's also a fellow podcaster. She's hosting the Timeless Teachings podcast, Spirituality and Mysticism in Daily Life. Now, when I say 30 years of experience, don't expect Yana to be that old. So we're going to go through this. Okay, she's actually young. All right. And I met her in Milan. We're recording this from Milan, actually. And here we are today, less than a week after we met, we're recording this episode. And I must say, it's great to meet people again during this pandemic in a live setup. Yana, I'm doing this super, super quick introduction, but your work skyrocketed as well during the pandemic. So thank you so much for being on Gut Talks. How are you? It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure, Maria. Thank you for inviting me. And you're right, particularly in the, my industry, since the pandemic hit, people went crazy in their head, literally and figuratively. So my rock skyrocketed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to dive into that. So, But before we get started, who's Yana? Mm, that's a great question. A spiritual seeker. That, I think, probably would be fundamental. And then everything is around it. So, and that's why when you said that I have 30 years of experience made me laugh, people think I'm probably at least 50, which I'm not. (laughs) Clearly not. So, yes, (laughs) I'm 39 and I started when I was eight or nine years old. So that's a true story. I started my own journey. I started doing yoga and that's this entire other story, how we got into this. And since then I started reading all the books available to me. And even at the age of already like a teenager, 10, 11, 12, I was advising my friends on the heart matters or what to tell their parents or life choices. And then it just 
expanded. And pretty much all my life, I was supporting people and helping them just to make decisions about life. It's why I call it life coaching. And then, of course, later when I reached uh, 20, I decided to turn passion into the profession <laughs> and went through all kinds of certifications and trainings to do what I'm doing today. <laughs> but life is the best teacher. That's what I would say. I want to propose to do kind of a time travel and go mm -hmm. 39 years back, right? You were born in Russia in St. Petersburg. And that was during the uh, Soviet the Union. Time. Yes, Soviet yeah. Union time. Yes. And actually, one of the first episodes as well of Not Talks, I did it with an American guy who actually lives in Tajikistan and moving mm. to Uzbekistan. So he he's in one of those countries that was part of the Soviet Union back then. But it's it's kind of an, another topic, but linked in a way because it touches on culture, spirituality, and, and everything. It's people, right? How they think, how they perceive things, and so on. So how did your journey transitioning from the Soviet Union to what it is today, where you live today, all over the world where you've been, how did that help if you want to support you in what you're doing? That's a great question. And actually, entirely, the work which I do right now is based on my personal journey. Like, I wouldn't be who I am today, and I wouldn't be doing the work I do if I didn't go through the life like we all do in our own way. So, yes, I was born in USSR like during the Soviet Union time, and I grew up like as a teenager in Russia in the 90s which was very dangerous time on many levels. And I mean, the Soviet Union collapsed and people didn't know what to do. So the entire country just went into chaos. And it was particularly like a mentality challenge for all the generation, like for my parents, for example, right? So can you imagine for 70 years, you live in a structure where everything is decided for you. And then one day they tell you, you can make your own decisions. People don't know how to make decisions. If for 70 years, they didn't have this opportunity. So for many people, it was really hard to transition. And I think for someone like me, a younger generation who kind of was born in one country, then lived through this transition period and then grew up in a different country, in a new Russia, that you see pros and cons of everything. And it's, it's a little bit like I feel what we're experiencing right now with the pandemic, in a way, you know, just on a global scale, when the old world is dying away i can't find a better word <laughs> and the new one is emerging and we're exactly at the grasp of it and we don't know yet what is emerging so for me maybe that's why i'm not freaking out like most people do right now because i grew up like this so for me it is very comfortable and familiar so when i think when you grow up like that you question things right so you question structures you question the choices your parents made maybe more than you usually would if you would be growing up in a country which is stable. And I did. And I think especially as a woman, I looked around. I still remember when I was 18 years old and I just looked around. But then my options as a young girl and at that time, and I didn't like what I saw. Like I saw women not living the life of their dreams or following their passion, but uh, just being very suppressed in many levels. And I didn't want to be one of them. And at that time, maybe because also of my background, and I'm just coming from a rather troubled background, <laughs> um, there was no role model to look up to. 
And because also the country was still closed and my English was not very sufficient, so there was no international exposure either. So whatever was happening in Russia, there was no really female figure to look up to that I would say, I want to be like her, right? I want to live life like her. So everywhere when I would look, there was just drama and despair and suffering and pain. And I was I, I didn't know what I wanted, but I was very clear what I didn't want. And I decided to leave. And that was... I think when you are like 20, 21, you, you probably have more of that courage to do those kind of decisions because you have less to lose usually, right? And uh, I left Russia with one-way ticket, 100 US dollars in my pocket and no plans at the age of 21. <laughs> that was an absolutely crazy move. And I remember that the only plan I had, I had a friend at the time in Switzerland and I went to see my friend and I just wanted to stay for summer after I finished bachelor degree and I just wanted to stay there. And my plan was stay summer in Switzerland and come back to Russia and kind of build my life, whatever people usually do. But coming from I guess Soviet Union countries, like when you go to Europe, for me, it was such a huge cultural shock at that age, just to see how people live and what is possible and what the opportunities are there, that there was no way I wanted to go back at the time. And I just had to kind of burn the bridges behind me and say, I'm not mentally, no emotionally, which is not easy to do. And just tell myself that I don't know where to go, but I don't want to go back. I want to go forward. And it is a step-by-step -step process. And of course, you have to learn the language, you have to learn the culture. And I think that people who have been moving around probably would relate to this. You could have the highest education possible in your country of origin, but if you don't speak the language of the country you move to, or if you don't know the customs, you're kind of similar to a five-year-old child. Like you're really clueless. You are not a big part of the society. You have to relearn all of this again. And so I had to do this with Switzerland to learn the language and kind of find my way around. And, and then it was New York. And then I lived in New York also. And then I moved to Singapore. So I, I keep doing it. Unlearning, learning, relearning, unlearning, learning, relearning. It's a constant process for me. And you enjoy it, right? <laughs> I do. You. I think it's also a very big part of our life to do that, to be able yeah. to do that all the time so that mind don't get fixated on anything in particular. Then I think it's easier to adjust. Like just before our conversation right now, I had a Facebook and LinkedIn life about my gap year, right? So I'm doing now my gap sabbatical year. And yeah. it was someone from Singapore who was interviewing me and all the questions pretty much were, how did you do this? Or how are you doing it during the pandemic? You must be totally mad. And even logistically, how does it work? Like, like from the logical point of view. So we were having those conversations. And I was saying, I guess, you have to be very comfortable with the uncertainty. Then exactly. you can do that. Yeah, I was going to touch on this. Uncertainty is, is a clear thing. And, and I can relate to it because it's not that I come from a war zone, but I was pretty much born during the war. I have souvenirs, you know, memories, probably not the best or so. And then I also lived through the war and, and uncertainty forever, right? Coming from Lebanon. And it's now it's even worse than it was maybe before. And I get you. And this makes you actually ask questions more than anyone else. And this is what you were saying. And in another episode, I was also discussing with Luis Arnal coming from Mexico. And I'm just linking this Russia, Lebanon, Mexico, you know, we kind of have this 
level of understanding, even if the countries and the cultures and so on are so different, but some part of the experiences can shape us in a certain way. That can, this leads me to the mental strength of things. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. And even now I'm meeting, it was very interesting. Like I have been staying with people and meeting people. And so I'm two months now into my sabbatical gap year, whatever leap year, whatever people call this, right? We can, it's entire the story why and how I do this. But it was very interesting. I didn't want to stay at the beginning at the hotel or Airbnb. I wanted to stay with people just because of the social isolation in Singapore for more than a year. It made me a bit, you know, anxious in my mind. So I wanted to be with humans. I needed to have this human contact. And so I did a post on my social media, literally <laughs> asking people who would like to host me. And people responded. And they just wrote to me and say, come and stay at our place. And do you know what I noticed? It was really interesting. All people who offered that, they're all women and they're all immigrants. So they were all born in one country and then they made their life in some other country. And that was an interesting, you know, just coincidence, I guess, in a way, when we talked about it with them. And they said, yes, that's exactly it. When you come maybe from a difficult background, it just different it's not better or worse than a stable background of course psychologists would tell you no stable families and countries much better for the development yes <laughs> you may be mentally more stable but when you come from a difficult background it develops entirely different quality within you on so many yeah, levels for sure it does and talking about this let's go a little bit into what you do so let's talk about your online coaching yes a little bit at the moment what is it exactly that you do and who for who reaches out to you great question so it is life coaching mental health personal development and spiritual guidance the whole variety it's, it depends uh, on where people are in their life and what they're ready for and under spirituality i just also want to make it very clear it is non-religious so people can believe in anything they want or say that they're atheists. You can be spiritual and atheist, right? So, so it's not spirituality. It's more that we learn how to partner with life and energy around us. That's what it is. So it's not just about you. So you get the support from where synchronicity comes in. Maybe people, if they watch the movie, The Secret, right? Or if they talk about be at the right place at the right time to meet the right people. So this is all to me spirituality. So how do you do that? When you are, what I say, in the flow with life, and then everywhere you go, life is just happening for you all the time. So that I teach that, and this is through individual sessions and also group programs. And what you said, particularly last year, I just got back to Singapore from seeing one of my teachers and then the lockdown happened and everyone just went mad in their head. And I wanted to start teaching online for a long time, but never really got to this. And I was like, okay, now is the time. So last year I was teaching consistently, I think for almost, it was from March to December, nonstop and really intense long programs like one month program or six months program with really intense deep work all group work and by the end of last year there were people from more than 40 countries that were attending the programs and their all backgrounds and nationalities and cultures and I think that what the common aspect that they just all want to be happy and to build the life they want to build. That's what it is, you know? And there are some younger people, some older people. There are people who are just at the beginning of their career. There are people who make millions and millions and millions and they're still not happy. So, and, and so it's my clients, I rather call them students, they're very diverse. And I usually just tell people what it is that they want 
and some of them are better in the group settings. Other people are better in the one-on-one setting, and then we just find what works for them. So I'm very versatile and flexible with that. Are you doing this for individuals or like on a personal level or in business environments as well? Both. It is both. So there are also many people who come. I mean, many of them just run their own companies. So they're entrepreneurs, they're founders of their own companies, right? And then let's say they come for my program and then they start bringing either their partners, either life partners or business partners, right? And then they say, okay, we want to do something like this for our company. For example, like I was running the, what I call marathons. It means that it's like a boot camp. It's a very intense program for a short period of time. So they were asking also to help them to develop those boot camps for their companies, for their employees, whether it is about uh, mental well-being or like how to, you know, again, deal with this uncertainty in the workplace, how to adjust to what is happening. This is on a uh, kind of on the employees level, right? And if we talk about maybe like decision makers and managing directors and like leaders who have to make really big decisions, then it's a lot about managing yourself. It's about inner leadership, the self-leadership. How do you manage your own mind when everything is unpredictable and everyone is going crazy and you have to stay calm and make decisions, right? So it's, again, it, it, it's versatile. It depends uh, what people want. And I don't okay. believe that chemistry is important. So people chemistry is important. So I choose yeah. my clients and students based on the people chemistry more than anything else. Okay. Oh, so you choose you. I do. Uh, who you can. Yes. Work okay. I do. Lucky me. <laughs> oh, of course, that's great. And so, what are some of the patterns you've observed during the pandemic? Was it too different than what you had before, or some of the? You mean working with people? Yes, some of the patterns you observed working with people. So what is it that they were lacking or what is it that they wanted or were looking for or were not comfortable about or why were they not happy? I think there was a much higher level of the emotional and mental volatility for everyone. Like So whether it is in their personal life or it is in their professional life, it was just too much at once and people felt overwhelmed and just not able to handle it. This is where the panic attacks come or people feel, you know, burned out or like extreme level of stress or maybe even depression. So it is just because too many things are happening at once and mind is just not able to deal with that. It's too much. And so then they would come and, and kind of ask for support and we would look at, okay, so let's dissect it. You know, let's see what it is that we're going to look at right now here to help you to deal with this step by step. And I'm also a big believer that it's important not to push more than you can integrate and process. Like sometimes people do that when they come for this kind of work, they say that, okay, give it all to me, 100%. But the truth is, when you do this kind of work, when you go into the mental and emotional space, and I'm not a therapist, to be very clear. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychotherapist. I don't psychoanalyze people, right? I'm a life coach and I'm more of a mentor. So just because I have a very diverse life experience for my very young age, <laughs> and because I'm very curious about different cultures and people from all over the world, and I know many people and they lived all over the world. So I understand different cultures and I connect easily with people from everywhere pretty much. And so it's more about life guidance. And it's also more about how do you manage yourself within yourself. And that needs to be done in a graceful way. This is what I believe, graceful and gentle. So I 
with all the respect for very strong kind of catharsis experiences, which I also have seen, you know, people have been doing, it is really hard to integrate later in life. Because the moment you start changing your mind and the way how you look at life, things start changing in your life and business. And often people don't know about that and not prepared for that. And often also not, not properly guided through this. They think that they're just going to show up for some kind of retreat or program or course about some kind of well-being or mental power or, or inner balance, right, for example. And if the course and program is really good, and they should be good, right? Otherwise, why would you come? So if they're really good, they would touch upon something within a person they would need attention and maybe transformation. And when you touch upon this in your internal world, within yourself, it immediately reflects in the external world and in your reality, in your life and in your business. And often it means that you need to make maybe difficult decisions. Maybe you have to let go of some people that you're too attached to. Maybe you have to welcome new people. And I have seen it just so many times. And also particularly with business, I always say, especially if a person is a founder of the business, like then the business will never outgrow you. <laughs> so it's always a direct reflection of who you are in your mind and in your heart as a person. So if you want to grow your business and expand it, you have to expand your mind. And then the more you do that, the more your business expands. Ad break. No, not an ad. But as you may have noticed, this show has no sponsors. But you can still support Gut Talks by leaving five stars or a comment on your podcast player. And like, share, and follow the social media channels of Gut. W-G-U-T. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get going. Yeah, it's interesting. You're touching at uh, on different things here, but one of them talking about business as well. You're touching on change within the organization because exactly. this affects everyone, even the processes and the systems that are maybe in place that are working in a way or another. Where yeah, expanding your mind exactly. and taking risks exactly actually. and changing it and changing it. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine, especially when those systems involve many people, if it's a big organization, mm -hmm. it might be not easy to do. When you make this decision because it changes lives and just everyday environment working environment for many people right so you have to communicate it properly and you better be sure you're making a good decision here <laughs> yeah that's a tough one in terms of decisions because sometimes you can think it's a good decision but then after a few years when you reflect back you say maybe doing it in a different way but at some point we have to make choices at the end of the day exactly and if each one of them will take us to a different path and discovery exactly. and Exactly. You know, and I always say to people that when it comes, because I think it's important about decision making and people often get nervous because mm -hmm. they don't know what is the right decision, but they want to make the right decision. Yeah. And I often say that there's no such thing. It's just a decision. Exactly. And it is not right. It is not wrong. It is you have to choose where to go. And sometimes you have to make a choice. I mean, okay, there are rare cases when not making a choice is also a decision. But usually in business, you don't have this luxury. In business, usually you have to make a decision and then uh, not to regret it later, as you said. So it is good to just tell yourself that given who I am today and knowing what I know right now at this very moment about myself and my company, I'm making decision to the, my best ability at this very moment, right? And then a few years later, things may change, but you did the best you could at that moment in your life. So don't be hard on yourself, guys, if you're listening to this and to be like, I made a few bad decisions. I did that too. 
<laughs> yeah, and, and I regret it and stuff. As human beings, we put too much pressure on ourselves sometimes where it's, you know, we need to disconnect this and just move forward because what can we do sometimes? You know, what's the worst thing that can happen? And this is a question that I ask myself or ask other people when I teach not different stuff, you know, or design strategy stuff, but whatever. It's like, what is the worst thing? It's you're not going to start a world war, right? So exactly, uh, exactly. So maybe it's, I don't like to use this word. Uh, people often say mistake, and I don't think there are mistakes, right? Even if you make a decision that might not lead to the outcome that you were hoping to, you're going to get a learning there. You're going to learn something. So mm -hmm. it is not a mistake. And they say that people who eventually become actually the most impactful in life are those who learned from many, many, many mistakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but this leads me a little bit to, you know, making decisions, but not only decision making, but your personal or business life, but also when in your work, in your practice. Mm -hmm. What do you think of God? I like that. <laughs> I like that. That brought me right into my gut. <laughs> I think it's very important to me. And uh, in my work also, we often say there are um, three intelligences in a person. There is mind, there is heart, and there is gut. Three intelligences. And it's actually a big part of the programs, which I do that helping people to align all three. Because often what happens that mind wants to do something, then heart is not fully aligned with this. And then the gut feeling says something else. And then it doesn't work, right? So I think particularly about decision, it's important that it's all aligned together. When your mind, your heart, and your gut are in agreement about what it is you want or don't want to do. And then any decision you make is a good decision for you. So I think gut feeling is very important. But I'm going to add a layer to this just to spice it up Tell a me. little bit. What about the layer of the society and judgment? About the gut feelings? No. So you said you have the mind, the heart, yeah. the gut, and then you have the society. And this can put people under pressure to be like, no, I want this. But what would they say about it? What would they think? Right. Because I think you have a lot of cases like that. Yes, I would say, don't worry about the society. <laughs> yeah, that's, what, that's, what, that's what you would say. But how can they achieve this? Well, this requires practice. Again, I know it's an easy thing to say, and it's actually a really hard thing to do. And I myself still learning, you know, I still make sometimes really unpopular choices about my life or even my business, the way I do this, because I want to be true to myself. And I think here, the first thing you need to know who you are, right? So if you say, don't listen to what society says, then, okay, so what do you listen then to? So you could say, listen to the gut feeling. Okay, that's part of that. But basically, we are talking about this inner knowing. This is what it is. You need to have your inner knowing. So how do you develop your inner knowing? You have to start listening to yourself and see what it is that you really want and what it is that you took from usually your primary caregivers and a particular culture you grew up in as the ultimate truth about you, others, and the world. And you never question that. And so a big part of the work that I do is making people uncomfortable because I make them question that. The moment you start questioning this, usually you start seeing that a lot of things you thought are white are actually black, or you thought they're black, they're actually white, or maybe they're gray, right? So it's not what you took as truth. So you have to find it for yourself. And it's a process. It's a process. And I think it all starts with this 
intention within yourself that you say, okay, I want to find out who I am and I want to understand what is my inner kind of wisdom, what, what is my inner knowing is. And then you go on this journey and you go on the journey. <laughs> and then the more you go, the easier it gets, the more you understand. It's like peeling the onion. So it's not all at once. You can't just say, okay, here am I, you know, I'm just going to wake up one day and I know everything. I mean, in a, in a spiritual term, there are cases like this, sometimes very rare. And I know people who went through this, but it's very hard to integrate, even if it happens to you. I think for most of us, it is easier step-by-step process when you remove those layers of conditioning, you know, what your parents think about you, what your business partner thinks about you, but your particularly maybe social structure or belief kind of group collective belief system that you grew up in thinks about you and you how you should be living your life just yesterday i had this conversation with someone very interesting who is a man very successful in business makes a lot of money and you could say lives the life of probably many people would want to have right travels around the world and it's like a business that they are like doing dealing with people in sports so it's like they of course probably have a band you know and it's a lot of money in that kind of business so I, I can imagine that for many people it would be very aspirational life and he's still relatively young and we were just having this conversation yesterday when he told me you know what Yana that I'm just deeply unhappy and I just want to, like, I have everything people could probably dream about and I don't feel happiness. And all that I want, I just want to be happy. And then I ask him, okay, so why aren't you happy? And you know what he told me? He said, because I know in my heart that in order for me to be happy, I have to change my entire life and I'm not ready for that. And so we had this, and, and I understand. That's what I mean, that sometimes people say that, give it me all at once. And I'm like, you are not ready. You won't be able to integrate it. So we need to, you know, do it step by step. So we agreed with him. It was our joke as friends. We agreed that he's going to take 18 years to fully do this 100% in the way how he wants it, step by step, process by process, so that his mind is not overwhelmed, right? So now he can spend time with himself and see how he can transition from the life he's living right now to the life he really wants to live and he gave himself this time mentally so i think that's important 18 years you say well he wanted 18 years i didn't say that i was like okay how oh. much time do you need he said i think 18 years i'm like okay if that's you think how much you need that i mean people know right i don't put time for them for someone it's one year for someone it is 10 years for someone 20 for him it's, he wanted 18 Okay. By the way, that was the ambulance. So we were in Milan and we hope that we won't get into another lockdown. <laughs> so I think it was close to you. So yeah, I have another question actually that comes yeah. to my mind because you brought up this question about, you know, a client of yours who is, mm -hmm. you know, going through that already with you. What was the most, if you want, challenging but rewarding journey you went through in your career so far? You mean watching other people yes. or watching my clients or students? Yeah. How they went through their journey. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I love that. <laughs> and I'm not sure I can tell you just one, to be honest, Leah. And I think it is because, as I said at the very beginning, when I like to select people I work with. Okay. You know, I know what I'm good at and I know who I'm the best with working. Can we reverse it then? Yes. The worst, where you feel that you couldn't make an impact, if there's any, I mean. 
Well, you of think course, I mean, I'm you sure, of course, of course, you would have. Well, I think the worst was maybe just recently. It was funny. It was funny, actually, kind of also the person I met who came to me referred by someone. And I knew exactly the moment I talked to people, I know what, you know, I was going on in their mind. And then we started to have accidentally, it also happened to be also a man now that I think about it. So it was a man referred to, to be a client. And he also very successful and also in this kind of very high society type of life. So Manaka, Hollywood, you know, traveled everywhere, been everywhere. I think tons of women, right? Single, still young in his 30s, has the entire life going for him, deeply unhappy. And so friends were like, okay, go talk to Yana. And then he comes to me. And then, so and our conversation goes something like that. So I ask him, so what's, you know, what do you want? And he explains to me briefly that he has everything in his life, but not happiness. And then we start looking at what happiness is for him. And for him, it was about connecting with a woman in a genuine way in the relationship, in a stable relationship. That's his happiness that he was not able to create. And I told him that, okay, just the impression I'm getting from you and based on what you shared about yourself, in order for you to get there, we need to do these, these, and these work. Like we have to look probably at how you look at women and, you know, the stories that you created in your head about women and why you don't trust women because I can see you don't trust women. I can feel it. Right? So we need to look at that. And then, so I gave him basically the, the roadmap where we would go if this is what he wants to achieve. And then I remember his answer and he looks at me and <laughs> this is what he said, literally. He was like, I know it's not going to work, because I tried talking to all kinds of people. So there's no even point of starting this journey. And I remember sitting there, Alex, so why did you come for the consultation to begin with? And then he said, yeah, because my friends told me that, you know, you, you do this work and you help many people and that you can really help me. But I don't think you can help me. And he left. And I remember so me sitting there and I was like, yep, that's exactly this. There were two things there, right? So one, he was not ready. So he might be of a person who could have benefited, but in his mind, he was not ready. It was too threatening because when we had this initial consultation, I told him a few things that he would need to look at and he was not ready to look at them. So he would prefer to just stay in his suffering rather than experience some kind of pain he needed to experience before the healing. Do you know what I mean here? And so mentally he was not prepared. And uh, that's kind of reinforced in my mind again, that how important it is to screen people and make sure they are the right people to work with. And they are also ready to make the change. And I always say that I work only with those who are brave and who are ready. If they are not brave and not ready, don't come to me. <laughs> it's not going to work. I know that. And one last thing. I mean, I don't know if there's anything we didn't uh, touch on that you wanted to touch on also so just let me know if there's anything like that but I have no particular agenda so you set it you ask questions you want to ask that okay. you feel you want to learn or people your audience will learn so I'm very open yeah if if you have another example in a business setting as well mm -hmm. of some which one but good one or bad one that <laughs> went wrong or not where you learned a lot you know where I learned a lot yes I can tell you an example. Uh, it is the person who was uh, running the company. So it's a, an entrepreneur, so the founder of the business. And when I came to work at that particular company, I did more kind of an inclusive type of work with leadership development, where I work with the key managing directors and also with the employees. So for the managing directors, it was like one-on-one -on -one more executive type of coaching. And for the employees, it was more for group work. 
And I remember going into this company and just looking at everything that was happening there and look at the dynamics between people and particularly dynamics between the leaders or the managing directors. And because that particular client was also a friend, like if it was maybe just a client client, I wouldn't have liberty, you know, to say those things. But because it was also a friend and he asked me for a little bit more than just my professional opinion. <laughs> so I remember that I told that 80% of your leaders are not going to bring success to your company. You know, so you basically you have to fire people. So if you, if you want to achieve objective that you want to achieve in your business, you have to let go of people. And I know it's maybe not a popular decision and maybe not very, you know, kind because I understand the economical circumstances and everything. But if I look at his interest, right, as a business owner, then that's what needed to be done. And he did not have courage to do that. And we went in this long discussion. And I mean, I'm talking about, you know, a person who makes like a lot of money also and very successful. So, and, and makes many tough decisions. But it's interesting when it comes often to people, he didn't feel comfortable doing that. And so he prolonged it for about maybe, I think it was eventually ended up being three to five years, keeping kind of the same leadership group, right? As the core of the company, only to realize that, Year by year, he would start letting go one by one all of those people. So to cut the story short, I guess at the end of that, probably like five or three years period, I'm not sure exactly now how long it was, he let go of all of those people. I told him he should let go five years ago right, when he was not ready. And I remember that we had this conversation later when he was also saying, I should have listened to you back then, but I was not ready. And, you know, and this is so my learning there was that once again, whether it is your business life or your personal life, you're only ready for what you're ready. And maybe, yes, in order for you to realize your highest potential, whether personally or professionally, you need to make some decisions and changes, but only you know when is the right time. And I think that's very important. So for him, it took him that many years to get there. And I learned that, of course, even though I might see what people can do, but it's up to them to decide when is the right time for them to act on it. I can only advise. Yeah, I mean, that's a big thing to say, get rid of. I know, people, exactly. You know? I would <laughs> say, I'm saying it to you as a friend, not as a coach here, you know, but yeah, if you want yeah. a, a, like an opinion of a friend who knows you and knows your business. <laughs> okay, yes. it's good that we're already Otherwise, exactly. people are listening. Otherwise, people are like, what? We're never going to talk to you. <laughs> okay, all clear now. Nice. No, thank you so much for this. It's quite a subject everyone talks about. Not everyone is familiar with. I'm not even, you know, it's not something I really understand. It's something I know about at a very, very high level. Although as we were talking, I felt that there's a lot of uh, synergy as well between because at the end of the day, we work with people. So there are some dynamics we need to understand. But bringing something from within and getting it out there to make this change is this kind of thing that can make a large difference for people and companies. So help me out with that. I'm just wrapping up yes. levels mm-hmm. of yeah, energy, dynamics, ways people communicate. We discussed about readiness, taking risks, uh, decision-making. I actually can summarize it in three words. I just realized it now. Yes, we have three words, I think, to summarize our entire conversation today. It is clarity, courage, and communication. So because first you have to be clear, right? 
in your mind about what it is that you want and where you're going, if it's business and for the company and also for other people, you need to have enough courage <laughs> to act on it on time. And you need to be really good at communication, how to communicate it. And I think maybe that's just another important aspect. How do you communicate things to people in the best way for them? Cool. Thank you, Jana, so much for your time. And I'm going to put all your links in the description. It's uh, Jana free pretty much, but uh, everything is going to be, uh, people can reach out to you. I think you're Thank available you so all over social media anyway. Thank you so much. You are listening to Gut Talks by Maria Matloub. To support the show, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with anyone who could benefit from listening to these stories and experiences. To continue the conversation, join the Telegram channel. All links are in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time.